Welcome, bienvenue à CYC Podcast Discussions in Child and Youth Care, episode 172-172, and the second, Taking a Global Rising Youth Collaboration Podcast. And today, I am speaking with Justine Yu, who is a recipient of a, a Rising Youth Grant, as well as now a staff member with Taking It Global. And I'm talking with Justine about a magazine and community building project called Living Hyphen. So welcome, Justine, and thank you so much for speaking with me today. Hi, Wolfgang. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm <laughs> excited to have this conversation. Me too. Um, so maybe we can just start by uh, you telling us a little bit about who you are in relationship to the, the magazine Living Hyphen. I am the founder and editor of Living Hyphen, and Living Hyphen is a new and emerging magazine that explores the experiences of what we've been calling hyphenated Canadians. So these are people who have who call Canada home, but who might have roots elsewhere, wherever that might be. The, the term hyphenated is 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 that a. a you know, I've I've heard the term. I wasn't super familiar with the term. Right. Is, is it is it a common term with people um, in certain communities? I think it is. If not, it is becoming a more common term. Mm -hmm. So where that comes from is so I'm I'm from the Philippines originally. I was born in the Philippines and I came to Canada when I was four years old. And so I identify personally as a Filipina. Canadian, so Filipina hyphen Canadian. And so that's where that hyphen comes from, is that little, I like to think of it as a bridge between these two different cultures, so. Nice. I just saw a play last week called Tita Jokes. Oh my gosh. And, and, <laughs> and it was so much fun. I know, I, I love them. I've seen them three times oh. now. <laughs> Yes, yeah. yeah, they're great. Um, and it was, for me, it was fascinating. Like, they're, you know, they, very, very at the beginning, they said, you know, look, some of you are not going to get this, yes. and welcome to my life. Yeah. And it was, it was really striking for me yes. because, you know, my hyphenation is American Canadian. That's right. my hyphenation. Right. And I don't really think of that as a hyphenated identity. Right. As such. And so for me, it was fascinating to, uh, yeah, there's a whole world yeah. that they were sharing and joking about, and the audience was loving it, and yeah. I had no idea what they were laughing at. <laughs> <laughs> but did you get the context Oh, of yeah, it? yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I had a right. great time. I really enjoyed it, right. and there was just particular moments when there would be half the audience would be laughing, and half the audience would be yeah. silent. Yeah, yeah, that's I'd be really one funny. Of the silent ones. It's <laughs> funny because, so my partner is... He's British. He's he's not even really Canadian yet. He just moved in July. And so we went to go see Tita Jokes at the Fringe Festival last this past summer. And it was the same situation where he was just sitting there for half the time asking for an explanation after the show. <laughs> but I think that's really important to to be outside of your comfort zone and to try to understand a different culture without necessarily knowing the literal meanings, mm -hmm. but trying to mm -hmm. understand it from a, a, just based on context, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And how does Living Hyphen, the, the magazine, mm -hmm. 
work to do that or does it yeah. work to do that? Yeah. So I guess for more context, um, we launched our inaugural issue back in October 2018. So it's been over a year now. And that first issue actually has contributions from artists and writers all across Canada, hailing from over 30 different ethnicities, religions and indigenous nations. And I'm really proud of the breadth of representation for this inaugural magazine. Not only is it such a diverse background of of those different ethnic backgrounds, but it's also diverse in terms of geography in Canada. We have six provinces and one territory that are represented. And Canada is such a huge country. It's the second largest country in the world. And I just feel like the experiences of hyphenated Canadians from coast to coast is vastly different. You know, the Toronto experience is so different from a smaller town out east or wherever it might be. And what the magazine is trying to do is really reveal a lot of those experiences and the nuances in those experiences because I think that we have a very narrow understanding of what particular cultures are like. So for example, as a Filipina, I know that there are, I guess, like preconceptions or archetypes or stereotypes of what Filipina Canadians are like, and we aren't ever just one thing. And that goes for any other background or culture, whatever it might be. And so that's what I wanted to do with Living Hyphen is to really bring in not just diverse backgrounds, but just diverse experiences, diverse kinds of artwork. You'll see in this first issue, we have comics, we have recipes, we have play excerpts, just so many different forms and different expressions of that hyphenated identity. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that's what I, I was hoping to do with this. Nice. And, and your, your first issue revolved around this question, this oft question, mm -hmm. perhaps too often asked question, where are you from? How did different contributors take that question up? You know, it's funny because when I put out the call for submissions for issue one, I didn't say anything about where are you from. So the theme for issue one is entrances and exits. And, you know, it was literal in the sense that we were entering the world as a new magazine, but also, of course, dealing primarily with diasporic communities, people who are from all over the world, you enter and leave a place. And so I didn't really say those exact words, where are you from? But I guess it is it is such a common question that we, people who are from different cultures often get. And what was your question? <laughs> what, 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 how did people take it up in the, in, the, in the inaugural issue? So they start with entrance and exits. And you, in your own writing, sort of <laughs> framed these, these yeah. entrance and exits, these contributions to really explore this question of where are you from. Um, and one of the things that's really intriguing to me is that it wasn't an explicit request. It wasn't, no, it was definitely not an explicit request, but it just came up all the time. You know, it was almost like that was the question that everyone was answering in their submission. It wasn't intentional, but that's how it came about, and that's how the direction we took it from a curation point of view mm -hmm. and and yeah so it was not intentional at all yeah. but i guess it's something that we it's just a question that we get all the time it's something yeah. that i get all the time yeah. i've 
I've been here since I was four years old, right. but because of the color of my skin, I'm always asked, where are you from? As if, and I want to qualify that by saying that I know that it isn't ill-intentioned all of the time, but there is an insinuation, however subtle, that I don't belong here originally, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something that pulls at those of us who do identify as hyphenated Canadians. Yeah. You know, the, this idea of, of where are you from, of course, is embedded with, with othering and otherness and potentially embedded with, with racism mm -hmm. and xenophobia and and we live in a particular moment in in yeah. in the world right now where these these you know racism is becoming much more uh, uh, blatant yes. to those of us perhaps who don't experience it on a daily basis right. like right. myself and so i wonder the, the the question around where are you from it 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 it, it um, how, how can that question and how can the answers mm -hmm. to that question resist this this dominance of racism mm. that we're experiencing in, in so many places around the world right now? And I, okay, so I don't know if I'm going to answer your question with my response exactly, but two things that prompted my my thinking just having this conversation was one, when I get asked, where are you from? There's always a, a moment where I have to think about it. Where I'm like, I'm from Toronto. I'm from also the Philippines, but also I'm from Canada. And if I do say Toronto or Canada, the immediate response is always like, oh, but where are you really from? You know, and so there's that added layer again of the otherness. And to your question there about how do we, I don't, I don't know how exactly, but one thing that I wanted to share was that when I was putting together this magazine, so we had all of these contributors, and what I wanted to do was, um, in the actual magazine, you'll see the artwork or the, the piece of writing or whatever it might be, and then, of course, the author's name. And I wanted to also showcase their hyphens or their identity. And so I emailed all of our contributors asking them, I fell back on that default question of, so where are you from? What should I write? as your, your identity. And it was such a revealing process for me because I people struggled to answer the question. And so I rephrased it and I asked them, how do you identify? And the answers from that were so illuminating. Um, so just to give an example of that, I had one, a few, so I had a few contributors who I knew were South Asian. And so one, let's say, was Indian, is Indian. And they had responded to me to that question, how do you identify as Punjabi Sikh Canadian? Which surprised me to see that people identify not just in terms of the country that they're from, like I, I would, like Filipina Canadian, but actually the state or the region from that particular country and their religion and Canada or whatever it might be. I had another one, another contributor who responded to tell me that, you know, they have been living in Canada for a long time now, but they didn't actually feel like they identified 
as a Canadian yet, and would it be possible to drop that hyphen? And I said, of course, I'm not going to impose your identity on you. But just that simple rephrasing mm -hmm. of the question of how mm -hmm. do you identify as opposed to yeah. where are you from really shifted my own thinking and how to yeah. approach these kinds of conversations. And you just get to know people more, you know? It's like yeah. asking what a person's name is. You're yeah. asking how, like, yeah. who are you? Yeah. So I thought yeah. that was a really beautiful, small lesson for me yeah. personally. Yeah. I don't know if it'll solve the problems, but I think it's one little yeah. step that we yeah. can take. Well, it's that conscious stopping, you know, as the, for myself as the questioner to stop and say, okay, what, what am I wanting to know here, right? right? And am I, you know, am I wanting to position myself as, you know, this other person as another person? Am I, I'm inviting something in because we all identify in different ways, right? So all of a sudden, all of us can construct our identities, whatever that might be. Exactly. You know, geographically, religiously, yeah. whether we want to talk about, you know, sexual orientation or gender exactly. mm -hmm. or nationality or whatever it might be, right? Mm -hmm. So it's much more an invitation. Your, your next issue, which you're currently, uh, people have one, about one more month left before end of <laughs> February. So if you want to get something in, please do. Um, we'll have some information up on the on the <laughs> CYC podcast website about how to submit. Uh, the next question, you're, you're sort of consciously asking a question around who are you from? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I it, that just stimulated so much thinking for me. Um, why move into that direction? <clears throat> So the second issue, our theme is across generations, and we really are inviting people to share their stories across generations, intergenerational storytelling, you know, tell us the stories of your ancestors, of your lineage, of these memories that have been passed down to you. And, oh, how much time do we have? There's so <laughs> many reasons why I chose this as the, as the theme, but, <laughs> but I think it, pulls back a layer, a much deeper layer than the where are you from, you know? The where are you from is a simple, I mean, not to say that it's simple because you can see from our inaugural issue that it is not simple, that there are a lot of questioning that goes around, there's a lot of questioning that goes around that. Um, but for me, the who are you from is so important because one, on a personal side, this is a project that <laughs> I have actually been doing with my mom. Um, and she, she's our publisher and she is the one who has supported this from the very beginning. And she and I have been working on this for the last few years. She has read through all of the submissions since, you know, since our first issue and continuing on now. And we're two women who are from very different generations. You know, she lived most of her life in the Philippines. I came when I was four. The way we approach these questions is so vastly different. And the questions that and the conversations that we've been able to have putting this project together has been so rich. And I feel very fortunate to be able to do this with her. And I know that it's not a common conversation that is being had between my generation as you know a, a youth with the elder generation I know that there is quite a disconnect uh, I know this because for our launch 
I had a lot of our contributors come up to me to tell me that, oh, it's one, it's so beautiful that you get to do this with your mom. And two, you know that my, my parents have no idea that I am published, that I'm doing this kind of work, that I'm an artist, that I'm a writer. And that to me was a little bit of a tragedy because their work is so beautiful. They have so much to say and so many important stories to share. But coming from this immigrant background, I understand it. You know, we move from one country to another for better opportunities. And our parents, these elder generations, are just in survival mode, you know, and they are doing everything to make sure that we have food, we have shelter, we have all of these basic necessities. And so they want the same for us. And and it's hard for them to get outside of that mentality. And it's ironic because the things that we are doing now are exactly the kind of things that they had hoped for us. You know, this is the reason why we moved. This is why they have sacrificed all of the things that they have sacrificed to be able to give this life to us. And so I wanted this issue to start to break down those barriers between our generations and actually start to have these conversations between us. I don't know if it will, I hope it will. And I'm just hoping that if you look at the call for submissions on our website, there's an explicit invitation to talk to, you know, whether that's your elder or actually somebody from a younger generation, as long as you talk to someone else from another generation, um, to start to, again, break down those barriers. interruption there with with noise so the editing <laughs> might be a little bit uh, a little bit strange here you wanted to move beyond living hyphen as a, a magazine um, or primarily as a magazine so in what other ways does does living hyphen the the the, the concept exist in um, for forms. you yeah so that was something that came last year in 2019. I started thinking about the work that I'm doing. And so I'm just gonna backtrack um, to give context again on why I started Living Hyphen. So aside from it being this personal, it, it coming from a personal place as a Filipina Canadian, it came specifically because I, I'm a freelance writer. Um, I write all the time. And a lot of my writing has to do with my identity as a Filipina Canadian. And I had I had at some point in 2015, I think it was, in 2015, I attended um, this panel at the Feminist Art Conference here in Toronto. And the panel was all about the experiences of writers of color in the publishing industry. and. Basically, yeah, like their experiences uh, navigating through that world. And one of the main things that came out of that was just how difficult it is to get your work published as a writer of color. And, you know, I think I had mentioned this earlier about these stereotypes that we have about particular cultures. And that came up again in that publishers have a very narrow conception of what, you know, a Filipina Canadian experience is. And so, the kinds of books that get published about 
particular identities reinforce those stereotypes. And so I built Living Hyphen because, again, I wanted to push against that and show the nuance and show the diversity in our experiences. And having created Living Hyphen as a magazine, I wanted to build my own house, you know, not wait for anybody to publish my work, but actually have the publishing power myself. And I think that's really, really important and that's really powerful. And over the last few months, though, once we had launched what I had realized was that there was still something missing and I couldn't really put my finger on it until we had hosted this storytelling event, this open mic night where we had a, a few of our contributors share their stories from the magazine and then we opened it up to anybody else who wanted to share their stories. And there was this one woman who at the end of the storytelling event you know, very shyly put up her hand and asked if she could share her story. We were running out of time, but I knew I, I'd been observing her and I knew she was eager to share her story. And she started sharing her story and she just started crying and sharing how important and significant that night was for her to be able to see other people like her from different backgrounds have the courage to actually tell their stories. And that was kind of a, a light bulb moment for me. It made me realize that it's great to have these sorts of avenues to publish your work, but there are a lot of people who aren't actually ready to even share their stories in that way in, in, in writing or verbally, orally, whatever it is. You know, the issue is that a lot of hyphenated Canadians, primarily those who are coming from marginalized communities, their influences and institutions all, you know, from the beginning of of their childhood, telling them that their stories are not important, you know. And if you look at our media industry today, mainstream media, if you walk down the aisles of chapters or of any bookstore or library, if you look at Canadian literature aisles, it's still a very homogenous space, you know, and if you look at art galleries and the artists that are being exhibited, it's still a very homogenous space. And if you're being told that from the earliest days, I think it makes it a lot more difficult for you to want to share your stories. And so so we've moved beyond the printed page and we have become a community and it's really exciting. And we've started hosting these writing workshops and facilitating these open mic nights and storytelling events to create a, a, a safe space, a really intimate space. They're typically, you know, our writing workshops are no more than 10 people. Um, our open mic nights are, yeah, very small, 30, 40 people. And it's really, we're trying to foster and cultivate this culture of storytelling that encourages these marginalized voices to to speak up and to share their story and to feel confident in doing so. And what's the response been? Oh my gosh, it's been amazing. <laughs> it's been amazing and it's not something that I could have ever foreseen. And um, honestly, I've been hosting a writing workshop at least once or twice every month. Wow. And the minute that I post it and share it, within literally within 24 hours it's sold out and so i know that there's a hunger for these kinds of spaces for this kind of platform and it gives me hope and it gives me a lot of excitement to see that people are 
are ready or people are willing to go outside of their comfort zone it is scary you know it's i i joined a writing uh writing circle um a few years ago and it's terrifying to put your thoughts down on paper and often very personal thoughts and to share it out loud ah it's scary it's terrible (laughs) but also wonderful yeah yeah yeah. and yeah and having that supportive community you know it's so yeah, it's so yeah. so important, right? Yeah. So so important. One of the one of the things I wanted to talk about today was was this idea of support and and financial support and and because we're talking about the rising youth um, program, uh, how how was yeah? Let's start with that. How was it helpful? Yeah. So these writing workshops and these storytelling nights were not really a part of my mandate goal or whatever you want to call it when we first put out the magazine and it was only because I had applied for the rising youth grants and had this idea of this writing workshop I received funding to actually put them together and so you know the tagline a lot of like a lot of the the things that we use to promote the rising youth grant is that it's turning ideas into action and it's liter- it was literally that, you know, it turned this idea for me and I was able to turn it into action. I was able to actually facilitate these in-person events that have brought people together. And I always say this when I talk to folks about the Rising Youth Grant is that it completely expanded our mandate. It completely expanded what we're able to do, you know, and that had never been a part of our plan. But because we had the funding, which is so important because we had that funding, we were able to do that. And now we're able to affect all of these lives, which is pretty incredible. So, yeah, yeah. You're in a really fascinating and unique position because you were a grant recipient and now you are a staff member. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have sort of the knowledge from both perspectives. So the first thing I'd like to ask you is how or, or what what thoughts, what suggestions do you have for people who are like, hey, that sounds like a good idea. I have a project that I'd like to start. Um, yeah, what what thoughts, wisdom do you have for people who are interested in pursuing um, that grant or, or even grants in general? I say do it, <laughs> for one. <laughs> and for me, honestly why I was drawn to the Rising Youth Grants was because of how accessible it was. I am not a grant writer. I am not, I I work a full-time job aside from working on Living Hyphen. And so, and I have looked into arts grants and other, you know, community building grants to, to be able to take Living Hyphen to the next level. But it requires a certain expertise. It requires so much time. And... Living high or living hyphens, rising youth, sorry, and rising youth's grants process was so simple and so easy. And that's what really drew me to it because I don't know how to do those things. And so I encourage youth across the country to apply for this for this grant program. Um, one, because I think it's an important exercise to be able to to write a grant and this is a really great testing ground to be able to get started in that in that world and 
two, you also get a lot of support from the Rising Youth team. You know, I was in continuous contact with Giovanna, who is our grants administrator. This was before I started working at um, with the grant in a more like professional or personal whatever you want to call it, capacity. And, you know, they were very supportive. They were able to extend deadlines for me for because I was having trouble securing a deadline. F- or sorry, I was having trouble securing a venue for one of my events. And I was super anxious about it because I have this grant from Rising Youth, from the Canada Service Corps and, you know, the government of Canada that I'm going to get in trouble. But they were super accommodating, super flexible. And so that's why I would really encourage youth to do so just because they are a very safe space to do that. And there's so much understanding and intentionality behind the team um, to make sure that these grants go out to, to youth across the country. Nice. One of the things that you do consciously as a, as a granting organization is um, you, you make it accessible. You also actively, intentionally reach out to folks that maybe don't have the grant writing skills, don't have the, the resources, don't have the, the time, uh, don't have the knowledge. Uh, why is it important for, for you as an organization, um, rising youth as an organization, why is it important to to go outside of, you know, giant metropolitan areas, mm-hmm. go outside of the people who, you know, most frequently receive these grants? Yeah, so one, I guess to add on to my last response, that's another piece that I have really appreciated from the Rising Youth Grant is that intentionality, not just in making it accessible in terms of providing those grant writing workshops, which we do, but it's also the intentionality behind reaching out to marginalized communities. So I'm now, you know, putting on my Rising Youth hat here and working on the communication side. There's such a deliberate and intentional outreach to these marginalized communities that I respect so much just because one it aligns so much with what I'm doing with living hyphen and how I'm trying to amplify these voices of marginalized people from all across the country as well and I think it's so important because there's this question of equality versus equity and how you know, all of these opportunities, all of these grant opportunities and, you know, professional opportunities, everything is technically equal, but equal does not mean equitable. And not everyone has access even to this kind of information. You know, you the grants are open to everybody, but if you're from a rural community in, I don't know, northern BC, let's say, you don't have access to that kind of information. And so immediately you don't have that opportunity, you know? And so I don't think it's fair. It's not, it's not equitable and it's not enough to say that you are opening up this opportunity equally to all people, but there needs to be 
intentionality behind reaching folks who might not have access to that kind of information. And that's one of the things that I've really loved about working with a rising youth grants. Because some people, you know, you get a leg up just because you are living in an urban metropolitan city, which has nothing to do with merit, really. You know, it's just a, a circumstance that you have been privileged to have been born into. So to kind of break down those barriers and to really reach for a much more just and equitable society, I think that institutions do have a responsibility to try to go outside of what's immediately available to them and what's easiest for them, especially if you have the resources to do so. Absolutely. So if the last little bit sounded a bit like a promotion of Horizon <laughs> Youth, it absolutely 100% is <laughs> part of the reasons <laughs> that, we're, that we're partnering over the, for the next several months is to, is to showcase all the different projects that are happening and also to really encourage people to, to apply and to access and to realize uh, ideas because uh, things don't happen unless people uh, start making them happen. Mm -hmm. And so um, to wrap up, I, I want to thank you so, so much for, for having this conversation with me today, for uh, living hyphen, for writing, for creating writing groups, and, and for being a, a granting officer. And, and uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've enjoyed our conversation, and I think there's a lot of, of uh, opportunities to stimulate yeah. ideas based on what we said. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you, Wolfgang. So just before we wrap up, uh, if people want to find out more about Living Hyphen um, and or about um, Rising Youth, where where could they find out more and more about you and, and yeah. grants? So for Living Hyphen, you can find us online at livinghyphen.ca and we're also available, available, oh, I'm going to start again. <laughs> For Living Hyphen, you can find us online at livinghyphen.ca, and we're also on all social media at, at Living Hyphen. And we actually have a call for submissions, which I'm going to plug. <laughs> it is for Across Generations. That's our theme for issue two. We're accepting all sorts of different um, artworks, whether that's poetry, prose, essays, visual art, whatever it might be. And the deadline to submit is February 25th. And again, you can find all the information at living-ca. And if you have a community service project idea that you want to bring to life, you can visit Rising Youth at risingyouth.ca and you'll get all of the information that you need to access our grants and to apply for those grants. Mm -hmm.